Hello there. Welcome back to the Pylon Ultra Podcast. I am James Stewart. You may already know that if you've listened to previous podcasts. And you may already know that we're in this special season of Te Aurora Specials. We're reporting from the trail, which means it's not a conversation between Paul and I, as we would normally have done in the past, but rather it's a across the world connection and this is the second of the podcast now a bit of a health warning before this one goes out these are time limited podcasts in the sense that they're trying to track something that's happening in real time but it's a static piece of media which means that you're going to hear paul talking from about four or five days ago there was a bit of a challenge getting some of the audio across but nonetheless it means that you can jump back in to the journey. We're not going to do it previously on the Pile and Ultra podcast Terror special, but you can jump back into the journey. And if you've not listened to the first podcast, please feel free to pause, go back and listen to that, and then catch up with this one here. In this week's podcast, Paul is going to give you um, another report from the trail. We've got a bunch of questions from me and from some listeners who have asked to get some insight from Paul as to what's going on in his world and how things are going. Um, now, like before, the audio from Paul is going to feature some background noise because he is quite literally recording while running. And you'll hear that. Sometimes the footsteps are faster, depending on both the terrain, the time of day, and where Paul's at in the journey, quite literally and figuratively. And if you're joining along, what's palpable and noticeable to me is, is the 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 length of the journey, the stage it's at, you can actually feel, it's almost like watching a beard grow. If you stand and stare at it for an hour, you won't see a difference. A day, you'll start to notice something. A week, hmm, you might have to go and buy product. And it's the same with this in the sense that at any given moment, you don't get a sense for the enormity of what's gone, what's come before and what's coming ahead. So keep your ears pricked and listen and pay attention to what Paul's talking about. And what's great, is, is you have the opportunity to connect with them. Paul takes a lot of energy and um, inspiration, I guess, from people getting in touch. And it really helps him see through those days when you're out there for 12 to 14 hours. And sometimes he's not seen Alice or Maya for literally the full time he's running because it's remote and they're having to just go from one place to another. Just knowing people the other side of the world care and are interested makes a difference. And whilst Paul's running, often if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you'll be sleeping. And while you're sleeping, um, or while you're out running, or you're out going through your day-to-day, Paul may be sleeping. So the days aren't always aligned, but there's a little neat crossover that messages can land, be shared, and just make a difference. And the funny thing is, is the start of our day in the Northern Hemisphere is often the end of Paul's. So just that wee message in the morning might be the thing that helps Paul put a couple extra kilometres in or get a spring in his step as he gets his vegan sourdough pizza, which seems to be the meal of choice at the end of almost every day. And no wonder, I wonder how many calories Paul's burning. Anyway, as before, I will be transatlantically, not transatlantically, actually, it's trans-Pacific. I'll be sending the messages across oceans, across land, and across the wire to Paul, and he'll be answering them. So it's not a conversation, as you've heard previously, but rather a connection and a communication. The first question we asked Paul this week was just to give us a report from the field, give us his reflections, where he is in the journey, and how things are going. And as I mentioned earlier, just keep in mind that these these this is a static media so some of the stuff you hear is a few days out of date in, the t- in terms of Paul's already covered some days since ha- and since these messages were sent and if you've been paying attention on social media at piling across the piece you'll know that there's been some drama 
with closed rivers and local ceremonies and festivals. But we won't look into that in this week's pod, that's one for next week. But without further ado, let me stop my rambling and let's hear from the person who the podcast is about this week. This is Paul taking us through the first question, which is, what stage are you at in the journey? How are things going? And how many days into it? And just giving us an SP from the field. Hi James, welcome back. And uh, thanks to everybody who listened to the last podcast. I appreciate it was probably a bit of a ramble. And uh, probably went out on a tangent a few times. So apologies in advance if I do the same again. Or if I repeat myself, I can't remember what I said, what I didn't say, but... Anyway, we'll crack on. Uh, Maybe just to set the scene, uh, you're joining me on the morning of Saturday, the 6th, I think it is. I think I've just gone off the trail. Uh, I've just left Tukuti, which is where we slept last night. There's like a... Oops. Sorry, I'm sliding down a hill. Uh, There's a little campsite. It's like a... Kiwi camp or something, it's like a brand it's pretty basic but it has a shower some toilets Uh, and that was fine we had a bit of a unorganised night really I must have finished maybe about 7.30 in the evening so relatively early when uh, we made dinner and I just got really tired so did Alice and Maya so the three of us fell asleep without taking the bed out or without getting organised all that stuff so we woke up just after midnight um, and had to get organised, brush our teeth and get the bed out and sort the dog all that stuff so we're both a bit grumpy and super tired and then I was up this morning at 5.30 so uh, we managed to park pretty close to the trail so that makes a big difference because uh, we don't have to get the van all packed up before uh, I can move in the morning because that takes a bit of time so yeah, I didn't leave super early the time we got organised and we hadn't charged stuff and all that I wish you could see what I'm doing right now I'm on this muddy oh, sorry this super steep muddy slope that's me now, super normal trail, sorry for that um, so yeah, I think I'm about 900 kilometres in, so a wee bit slow, probably, but like I explained before, some of the days just get really long, and there's just not a practical way to add on more distance at the end. We were going to do it last night, but then everybody left us not being able to run straight from the van, but I had to get up, get everything packed away, and then... Uh, drive somewhere and then run from there so we actually saved ourselves time going a wee bit shorter yesterday I think that's a river behind me in case you hadn't noticed uh, so today is one of the longer days I don't think I'll see Alice for 60k so it's pretty much a whole day I'll be out uh, which is fine but I was a bit of a worry uh, about the water situation and stuff I wouldn't drink any of the water in New Zealand not in these forests anyway there's just too much baiting and poison put down 
for rats and possums that I can't imagine it doesn't end up in the water at some point so yeah I'm feeling okay so there you go, that's Paul just giving you a little flavour for how things have been going so far and the enormity of the challenge really shines through there. Um, you don't need to hear me reflecting too much on that, but the next question became almost prescient because of what's happened in the last few days, but that hasn't happened yet in terms of some of the details Paul's had to take. But the question was, Mike Tyson once said that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And you could say Paul Giblin said the same about multi-dares, um, remembering some of the epic stuff Paul's done previously. Everyone has a plan until they hit their first detour. How's Paul tracking to both his intentions and his plan? Yeah, good question about the plan, really. Um, because I've done a few of these now, I'm a wee bit less structured in terms of the plan. Obviously, you have a good idea of what an average distance you need to cover per day if you're going to come in in a certain time um, but on end to end trail I think at least planned out the first seven to nine days or something and uh, oh, I got punched really hard in the mouth on day one uh, because I wanted to hit, I can't remember what it was maybe it was like 70 or 80k or something on the first day but it was on the southwest coastal path and I knew it was going to be up and down but Pretty sure on that first day then we were over three and a half thousand metres. Never quite hit the distance and then I was kinda of disappointed and annoyed at myself and questioning everything. Where we stopped at the right point um, and we were able to get up and go the next day and that's the key thing to keep in your mind that there's no point in doing you know an 18 hour day and getting hundred K done and loads of ascent. If you can't get up in the morning and be out the door by 7 o'clock back on the trail and get another 50 or 60k done. So you have to kind of play it a wee bit smart. So I haven't been super planned in terms of what I need to hit by certain days at the moment. I think I'm probably a day down, maybe more from where I would have liked to have been, but I can't change the course I was running on. So, I've done okay. I think we can make up some time in places where it's a bit more runnable. Some tricky stuff uh, up north and then just depending on conditions. It's like, I can be running on this trail today. It's kind of muddy, but if I'd hit it after two days of rain, it'll take me, not twice as long, but take me significantly longer. So I've been having my guard up in boxing terms, James, rather than bring it on. Arms by my side and waiting for the punch in the mouth. and kind of like protecting myself a little bit and trying not to get too focused on it. Alice has asked me about it a few times and tried to push me a wee bit because she thinks that's what I need to do. But I'm going to have some days or maybe even a week where I feel super strong. Um, quite often it's uh, the first week's pretty painful um, and then you get periods where you feel stronger so uh, yeah I do have a plan, a rough plan in my mind but we're not doing it like day 17, day 18, day 19 we have to be there um, and then it depends also where we can stop and camp 
you can't just pull up in the lay-by here. You kind of have to be on a site, whether it's a freedom camping spot or an official site, so that complicates things too. I think that's <coughs> a little bit of the advantage if you're just hiking it with all your gear. You can stop right on the trail and then be back on the trail quite quickly. Whereas we need to drive around sometimes at night to find somewhere and somewhere that takes the dog as well. So yeah, Maya's nice been hiding out in the back sometimes. Yeah, so that's my uh, punch in the mouth approach at the moment. <laughs> we all have a punch in the mouth approach, don't we? And I think what what was interesting there is is like imagine Paul the first time he did one of these, and I've worked with Paul on a few piling endeavours. You become really fixated on where you were meant to be at any given time based on some sort of arbitrary plan, but a lot more. Um, go with the flow, have a framework, get on with it. And if you're listening to that, there's a lot to learn um, about how to approach something like a multi-day adventure. So thank you for that, Paul. The next question was, what's the most beautiful thing or moment you've experienced on the trail? So most beautiful thing or moment. Um, the one that stands out to me probably is uh, the Auckland Day. I can't remember if I've told you that or not, but I think I mentioned it on social media anyway, but I had a real problem with my quad uh, after the first hour heading towards Auckland. And it was just horrible, it was miserable. I had to hike for, I don't know, 40, 50k or something. Um, and right into the evening on Hogmanay and then through Auckland itself. In the rain, it was pretty miserable, I feel sorry for myself. I was wondering, is this going to be the end of it? Is this a pretty serious issue? Um, we stopped in Auckland and had the massage and then had another three or four hours of mostly hiking. Um, and then the next day, we were on the south side of Auckland and then we had a run uh, past a place called Bombay. And most of it was on road. It's not something I would desperately look forward to, but I got up the next morning and still had pain in my leg, but started walking, felt okay, started running, felt okay. Pretty much ran the whole day. So 50k in, feeling pretty good, and then uh, it took you off, off the road, and quite a long climb up to a trig point, and it was just one of those rare moments you get I've only probably had a few in my life but I got to the top of this hill and a lot of the hills and mountains here are covered in trees and bush you don't actually see anything but this was like a proper open hillside some sheep and long grass and I get up to the top and put my headphones in for the descent and the perfect song comes in the sun's coming down my legs had been amazing and um, yeah, I just did a special few moments running down that hill and I probably ended up running it a wee bit too fast, but I just felt amazing. Uh, I was kind of whooping and screaming and felt quite emotional actually. I think it was just a bit of a, a bit of a relief that, alright, I'm not going to be hiking the rest of this. Because I just couldn't do it, I just, I just don't have the time for one. Um, so I have to be running and 
it's the running that I enjoy. So it just felt like a, I felt like a big release really. And I felt really grateful. I was grateful that whole day, every, every running stride I took, I was grateful for, like genuinely. Because the day before had just been so difficult and so disheartening. So I was kind of grateful for what my body was capable of and the recovery process and for Jenny who had uh, done a bit of massage and managed to release that muscle so yeah that was a pretty special moment I remember a fair bit I actually had my camera out and recorded a few of those pieces but I don't know if it be any good but yeah yeah that was probably it seen lots of nice sights but um I'm kind of saving that for the South Island where we've got some bigger mountains it should be cool so the South Island for Paul is like the second half if you like of this and he's like yeah that should be cool which says it a lot about getting up those mountains and stuff being something that Paul just really enjoys um, I seen on social media last week he posted some mountainous range um, stuff and it just looked like the Cairngorms it looked amazing um, Paul has some quad issues on the last pod how's that holding up? the quad itself uh, it's a lot better but I have days or I have sections of a day where it gets quite painful again but it's kind of what I thought was going to happen um, it's like an angry upset muscle and it was either going to go right I'll give in to you Paul let's just get on with this or I'm just going to slow you right down until you can't do anymore so we've, we've got a good understanding now We've, uh, we've agreed to keep moving um, and I try and take it a wee bit easier when it gets painful. The trouble was, like you get aches and pains on these multi-day things uh, and you have to find ways of dealing with it. Like before, maybe end to end or Highland, Highland Trail I think it was, had this pain in the front of my shin. But there was a way I could kind of relieve the pain even if it was for three or four minutes and that was like doing like a deep squat and stretching it out a bit so that then gives you five or ten minutes of moving time whereas I, didn't, I couldn't quite find a way to uh, relieve the pain in the quad so that was my one big worry but I think we've got good understanding now sorry for the breathlessness and on a bit of a climb here. That last line there made me chuckle because I did say to you, Paul, is coming to you from the trail, and sometimes his footsteps slow down. You could hear it on that bit there as he hit the climb. Um, and it, it's really interesting hearing the psychology of how he's dealing with that quad muscle issue there. It's almost like that the point where he was almost having a conversation with it, and it's like, well, I'll give it to you, or you give it to me. And as it stands right now, Paul is winning that psychological battle with the muscle in his leg and fair play to him for that. Now the next question was one of our three listener questions that we've got coming through on this particular um, show um, from Jeeve Singh Paul mentioned to him once that in races and adventures beyond 100 milers are spiritual races and journeys and adventures that they are, you know, there's a spiritual element to them what sort of spiritual thought process has Paul had so far and what sort of internal churning has he been through already? Hey Jeeve, uh, that's uh, an interesting question. 
about it being some kind of spiritual journey. I guess it's inevitable that, especially something like this, where you're doing it over such a long period, that there's some kind of spiritual element, and spiritual probably puts people off. Or there's definitely something about beyond mind and body. So it's about your soul, it's about a purpose, it's about something that connects with you deep down that helps you to keep moving forward day after day because it's, it's quite unpleasant a lot of the time but it makes you keep on coming back so I had a lot of conversations with myself and a lot of thoughts about different things with regards to being a human and how I present myself in the world um, so I guess a lot of that becomes like a spiritual journey in some ways. It's not like, at, at least at the moment anyway, it's not like a race for example that you're really deep in it and you're maybe, I don't know, say you're at 70 miles in a 100 mile race and you're really racing hard and uh, you're having to really dig deep and ask yourself why you're pushing on and what more have you got to give. And this is a bit more of a slow burn and it's probably, like I mentioned before, maybe that early morning thing is something that you need to deal with to get back out the door every day but from a kind of spiritual side of things and uh, for the other things that are drive me to do these kind of events and um, and the kind of thoughts I've been having on the trail probably breaks down into two categories really the first being how we as a group of people, humans how we impact the world around us and it's really not all that good a lot of the time don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful country and the UK is a beautiful country too but we've got lots of lots of issues going on and when you run across a country you tend to see those quite quite clearly it's quite stark sometimes even just here right there's and I get it there's a lot of drive to eradicate possums and rats and species that we believe shouldn't be here right they came over but they came over as a result of human activity whether it was intentional or accidental they're here and I totally understand that there's a drive to protect the environment and the native species and all that and I'm totally into that and up for that too but there's something there's something out of balance somewhere I think and not just from that side of things but when you cross a land and you cross big big areas see this whole idea of land ownership and I think I touched on it a couple of years ago but I find it quite uncomfortable um, it's like somebody's paid a lot of money to own a piece of land and they want to protect it and they want to keep it to themselves and put fences up and warnings and do not cross this land and it's worse than in some countries there'll be threats nailed up around properties and land 
you'll be shot if you trespass here, all that kind of stuff. And I, I find I find some of that quite uncomfortable actually. It's like nobody nobody owns the land or should donate the land. The land was here thousands of years before that person. The land will be here thousands of years after. And um I feel like we've got something that's well out of balance. And then I get it and farming's important and it's crucial for societies to survive and evolve and stuff. But I, I don't know if it's always the best thing for the land. Certainly the way we do things is not. Um, and I just feel like there could be a bit more harmony with the things that we do when it comes to wildlife and environment and all that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not trying to do a big greenwash campaign or anything, but it's quite stark to me. It's like the other day, I get it, right? They want to kill possums and, and rats and stuff. And there's, honestly, there's thousands of traps. There's big, big areas that they just drop poison. And some of these areas are huge, so they drop the poison by helicopter. And I understand the drive to do it. I understand that maybe they need to do it. But we're just messing with things all the time. We're messing with a balance, a really delicate balance. And I just can't help but feel that that stuff goes into the water and even as me, an individual, crossing that land, they have these traps. I saw one yesterday. It's kind of nailed onto a fence post. Just looks like a yellow plastic thing. And there was a possum hanging out of it by its head and its neck. I know it's not very comfortable listening for people, but... And I know they're a pest and they do a whole lot of damage to the native bird species and all that. I get it, but it was kind of swaying in the wind. This possum had stuck its head in a trap and either it had been gassed or it just been spring-loaded and however it's dispatched. And I get it, but I don't know, it just feels like we're a little bit out of balance sometimes. And it's a shame, it kind of makes me sad. Um, and then... All that aside, um, there's then your own, it's like what's my impact on the world and and what's important to me in life and, and you get a lot of time to think about that stuff um, and reassess a wee bit and I spend a, a fair amount of time, it's not always super helpful but thinking back and mistakes that I've made in the past and relationships that haven't gone well and things that I regret and and having that desire to make things right sometimes and sometimes you can't, sometimes you just need to accept that that's what you were at the time and you made the decisions with the best intentions and and if you had the opportunity again you might make a different decision but the intention was probably still the same, it's just you're at a different stage in your life so there's a lot of that goes on like I said this would be better in a conversation than me just talking to myself on a dirt road but um, yeah and I think about all the good people I've got in my life and it's not hundreds of people it's a handful of people that have been really kind to me and they really accept me for who I am and, and accept the weirdness and I don't have to be someone else around them 
there's not many people in your life that you get to that point but I do have a few and I've probably, because I've been quite badly hurt in the past I can be quite te tentative around people sometimes and maybe not be so open so I'm very grateful for those people that I just can be myself um, and that's a really good thing too so lots of thinking going on lots of stuff about family and obviously as you know I've really struggled these past few years um, yeah I mentally struggled these past few years probably since just before Covid and that's the normal stuff I guess that people have in cycles about identity and purpose and your place in the world and what value you're bringing to other people and and how happy you're you're able to be and I kind of struggle with that I, I struggle to to be a bit more in the moment sometimes and and just be content without wanting more and pushing more and and maybe maybe this is an important part of the journey uh, because the FKT part of it is quite important to me but I'm not going to be upset if I'm a day over or five days over because if I am there will be good reason for it and if I do run the same time or under the time then then I was lucky I was lucky for a long period and I'll be grateful for that so yeah it's an interesting one I'll stop there probably people are like oh my god what are you talking about on a podcast so uh, yeah I'm not sure if I'll send this to James or not but uh, thanks for listening if, if I have indeed sent this to James and uh, I really appreciate just people taking an interest in, in listening and uh, yeah keep on being yourself keep on being weird it's a good thing and uh, I said to a few people athletes that I coach over New Year I really realised that one of the most important things in life is to retain a, a real genuine passion for something and that might be running it might be I don't know, it could be anything, it could be a hobby, it could just be you love literature or poetry or music or anything and having a real passion for something is really key to being a somewhat content human being I think and it helps to bring out the best in us um, and it can be daft and it can feel like it's it's a bit silly or something but if it really makes you tick then that's the important thing and if you lose that passion for anything in your life that's where you really really struggle and get yourself in trouble so um, yeah embrace your passion um, and I know that does sound like it's straight off of Instagram or something because it's not always clear to people but I guess it's James's point he's made on a number of occasions it's if you've got that curiosity going on in your life then you'll always find something that you're passionate about it's when you stop looking for things that you're interested in that's when things become a real problem 
That was a really long, detailed answer, and you got a real insight into where Paul's thought processes is. And even how he finished that there is so true. There's a fine line between, you know, Instagram posts for likes, clicks, and impressions, and the, the reality of life. The reality for Paul is, is it's long days on the trail for something he is truly passionate about. Um, next up is Des Tinney, who had his own multi-day adventure earlier this year, or earlier last year. He asks a question, multi-day events with allowance for food and sleep, do you think the body just eventually says, ah, okay, we're going to do this again, or can he go as long as he can and avoid injury? Remember Paul's point about the quad earlier, but hey, let's hear what he's got to say to that question. Hey Des, good question about multi-days, I actually agree that I think there's a lot of that going on, um, like I've talked about before and even probably on this podcast, it's just, there's a bit of a battle for a while. It's like you're not on the same wavelength, your body, mind, and I guess your spirit or your soul isn't all aligned. So you've got this ambition on one side, you've got your body on the other side saying, well, actually I'm here to protect you, to make sure you can survive. And then you've got this drive, I just want to get there, I just want to do this amazing thing. Um, and there is a bit of a battle for quite a while. Um, I didn't probably have it quite so clearly as I did on that end-to-end trail. It was maybe days, I don't know, it was like really early on, in the first couple of days anyway. Um, and I just, I just felt the weight of that battle all the time. I was pushing for more and wanting more. And it was just getting pushed back at me all the time. And then eventually, we kind of just got to the point and accepted that like, this is going to happen. This is going to keep going on for days and days. And what we need to do now is find the best way to survive and the best way to be as efficient as you can so that um, both are feeling like they get what they need almost. And that sounds a bit weird, but it's like a wee bit of kindness sometimes and a wee bit of acceptance can actually come through physically, I think. And I really, really noticed that the last time. And even with this quad thing, like it was a, a strain for me and I was kind of battling it mentally for quite a long time and, and you can't help but put on your expectations to that and this has slowed me down and I should have been through Auckland by now and what am I going to do if I can't keep going and all these people are following me and um, you know, I'm going to let people down, let myself down. And then eventually you get to a point where, like, there is that, right, okay, there's no panic, we're going to keep doing this, we just need to find a way around it. Um, so a wee bit, a wee bit more acceptance overall. And likewise, that's me giving as well, saying, like, it really does sound mental now, but, um, like, <laughs> talking to the pain sometimes helps me. I'm like saying, right, okay, I just need you to get me to the end of the day. And then we're going to get a hot shower, I'm going to do a bit of massage, you're going to be well looked after, and then we'll get up and we'll see how you're feeling tomorrow, and we'll just start easy tomorrow, and see how it goes, and that kind of approach has worked quite well overall, so and I think we spend too much time in that kind of battle phase, and that's where the real problems start, and you'll know that from races as well, it's like we spend a lot of our races in that phase sometimes because we had this clear expectation of what was going to happen 
and I felt so good on training runs and the last 50k training run I did I felt great and now I'm pushing that wee bit harder why Why is it today that I'm not feeling good and the sooner we can get over that get to a point of acceptance and then um, start working on options to improve uh, then we, we waste less energy and we're much more productive overall I think and if that makes any sense I need to go back and listen to that again. The parallels Paul draws between even multi-day going again and even racing, ultimately it's the same thing, right? You're pushing yourself, you're pushing your boundaries and there's a whole piece of personal maintenance that sits within there physically, spiritually and I guess both in motivation as well. Our last question this week comes from Billy Gibson. How do you switch off after a day on the trails knowing that you need to go again the next day? Billy says he's bad enough after one hard day when the legs think they should be still running and he's interested to know how Paul gets the maintenance part right or wrong. So a bit of a build on what just Des has just talked about, but he's interested in both body and mind maintenance. Hey Billy, how you doing? Yeah, good question about switching off at night and recovery. It's, yeah, it's a strange one because you spend all day like trying to get to this point. It's like a race, you know, you spend the whole time like... I'll get there and I'll get to the halfway point and I'll sort my food out and then I'll go I need to get to that finish line it's kind of like I'm doing that day on day thinking right okay I just need to get through the day and I just need to get to about 8 o'clock at night and we'll finish up there or we'll finish in that town because that's where we're going to be sleeping um, so you've got this drive all day, this focus and then when you get there and you agree that you're stopping you switch off the watch, it's kind of all that focus and all those things and all the maps that you've looked at and the terrain and uh, what hills you've still got to do and reading the notes maybe about is it going to be muddy, is it going to be a swamp or is it going to be a nice run in to finish all that's forgotten instantly and then you're already like straight on to well, what we're going to have to do tomorrow so you just, that stuff's gone now and I'm thinking ahead uh, to the next day so the routine is pretty much getting in the van and getting sorted getting a shower if I've got a shower uh, which I don't always do but it makes a difference to get a shower make dinner and then I've had plans through the day like I'm going to sit and catch up and get some photos done or I'm going to write a bit of a report or I've got some work stuff that I need to get done and quite often by the time I eat and have a shower, you're really tired. Like your eyes are super heavy. But it's maybe a wee bit too early to get to bed and I think it would be easier if we had a lot if we had more space. If we had like a big motorhome or something like some of the people that do this, it would make it a lot easier because you could stretch out a wee bit more. That kind of stuff. Our van's really small. Uh, so there's not like a natural place for you to stretch out unless you take the bed out but if you take the bed out then you can't get food and you can't get access to all the stuff that's under the bed all that so it's a bit of a battle really um, I don't have any problem getting to sleep at all which sometimes you do after a race or something I do sometimes get that you know that twitchy feeling you get in your legs maybe after a race or a really hard training day um, it's quite uncomfortable, I've had that a few times but 
uh, generally been okay. Uh, I can go to bed sometimes with a stomach that doesn't feel that great because I've maybe eaten too much and the time you take on a protein shake and food. Alice will normally do something really quick for when I finish, like noodles or something, like before dinner, just so I can refuel really quickly on a protein shake and then I'll have dinner and then try and have some kind of dessert or a cup of tea or something before we go to sleep so I feel kind of full but it feels like it's important for the next day really and I guess that's it, it's, you're always thinking ahead um, that I might not be super hungry now or my legs might not be really painful at the moment but I've got to think about how that feels the next day so it's important to try and do some mobility stuff last night was a good example I never really did any because we were just so tired and we both fell asleep um, and I'll probably feel that today and I've got nobody to blame but myself but it's just one of these things and then if you throw in some bad weather it makes life in the van a wee bit more difficult then because you can't kind of spread out outside or anything and we've got a dog too so, so yeah um, yeah, you kind of get used to it, I suppose. At first it probably feels more difficult. The worst time, I think, probably, in all honesty, is like when the alarm, <coughs> when the alarm goes off in the morning, just after five or something, and you're in a deep sleep, and uh, you feel pretty comfortable, and all of a sudden it's just that realisation that I can't hit snooze three times, otherwise I'm not going to be out there soon enough, which means I'm going to be out there until 11 o'clock at night or till after dark, and I don't want to do that, so finding the right balance. The sleep, I'd like to be getting more sleep, if I'm honest, but it's just not working out that way. I, I, unless I got in, showered, ate and went straight to bed, but then... I've got no chill out time and I always find that was quite important when I've done these things before that you need an hour or two not to think about the running part for, for a while because you spend every day checking how many kilometres you've still got to go or, or where the route goes and what's going to be the toughest section of the day so I kind of like to have some chill out time which is hard it's hard with Alice, she doesn't stop at all She's constantly doing stuff in the van, whereas last night I kind of wanted to, for the first time, just watch a bit of TV or something, but yeah, not a very succinct answer, but an answer nonetheless. <clears throat> Paul's going to have a lot of TV to watch when he gets back from his trails there, so thank you to Billy. Des and Jeeve for the questions submitted this week. If you submitted a question previously, I have a list of them for Paul. I don't want to overwhelm him with questions when he's on his trails, albeit I think he's enjoying and finding, getting the opportunity to send questions um, and responses back. I said before, and I'm going to say it again, Paul is finding the connection with the outside world through messages, through your social media responses, and just showing that interest, really engaging and inspiring, and it's helping him keep going when 
maybe sometimes there's days and thoughts when it's like, why the hell am I doing this? What's the point of this? So please, please, please keep in touch. Remember, while you're sleeping, Paul's running. And while you are running, Paul's sleeping. But there is that magic crossover at the start and end of all both our days. Paul's start of day is probably our end of day and our end of days um, or our start of day is Paul's end of day. So please take the time just to keep in touch with him and connect on social media. If you got you know, just get in touch. Leave some feedback on the podcast if you like, and I'll share it with Paul. I will be putting out for more questions for the next episode, and that'll be out pretty soon. Um in the meantime, enjoy this second episode of the special Pylon Ultra Podcast live from the T Aurora Trail. And let's just let Paul say goodbye this week. I'll say goodbye now from me. Thank you very much for joining. And Paul is just about to do the same. Thanks for listening and uh, I'll speak to you all soon. Cheers.